Good morning and welcome to A Taste of Jewish History as we continue our exploration of the Second Temple period. We discussed Ezra and Nehemiah and how the Jews under Persian rule rebuild the temple and Torah scholarship is, is flourishing. We have the men of the Great Assembly and under Ezra's leadership, the Jewish people returned to a life of Torah values and tradition. Now, parenthetically, for those following this series, I should note that there is some discrepancy in the traditional Jewish counting of the Second Temple versus that most historians believe. Much of this has to do with the various Persian rulers at the time. They all had similar names, and how the exact counting goes is subject to some debate. I should just note that our tradition has the Second Temple lasting for 420 years. But again, that's more in the history books. This is often called the missing years. But discussing this more is beyond the scope of the lesson today. After the passing of Ezra and Nehemiah, who were such significant Jewish leaders, at that time the high priest was Yehoshua the high priest. He's also well known. All of these jobs then fell on one person, that individual well known in Jewish history, Shimon HaTzadik, Shimon the Just, Shimon the Righteous One, and he is both the high priest, but also the Torah scholar of that time. And I should note that at that point in history, as well as much throughout the Second Temple, the high priest is not just the individual who is responsible for being the chief Kohen and doing all the ritual worship in the Beis Migdash, but in the absence of Jewish monarchy, that high priest is seen as a representative to the outside world as well. Shimon Tzadik is a holy, righteous individual, and this is probably the high point in the Second Temple period. We are told that the spiritual level of the Jews are high. There's a number of miracles that regularly happens in the Temple only during his time as Kohen Gadol, 40 years. Um, the Talmud discusses that on Yom Kippur, the string would turn white, symbolizing miraculously that the Jewish people were forgiven. Jewish population swells um, in Judea, probably about 360,000. Jerusalem alone, 120,000. But unfortunately, big changes were coming on the way, and that is the Greek Empire. For much of history up until that point, the Greeks were always divided into different city-states at war with one another, um, and therefore never really consolidated into one strong force. They always have this identifying feature of having this inhumanity and barbarism on one side, and yet also the beauty and the creativity and the fascination with the science and arts. Having both of those coexist is going to be one of the hallmarks of the Greek way of life. Um, these various Greek states begin to coalesce under the rule of Philip of Macedon. He's ambitious, he is dreaming of world domination, but of course, before his dreams could be actualized, he gets assassinated and his famous son, Alexander the Great, takes over. As a child, he has none other than Aristotle, has his own personal teacher, but his main interest is going to lie in his military dreams, world domination. And indeed, throughout his leadership, it's always one war after another. He lived a life full of alcohol and violent mood shifts. He was a womanizer. He was capable of horrible cruelty, but also tremendous kindness at the same time. He's the one that defeats the Persians. And at some point in the story, his army goes out to Jerusalem. Here that the Talmud itself tells us that as he's coming towards Jerusalem, Shimon HaTzadik walks towards him. And when he sees Shimon HaTzadik, he gets off of his horse 
and pays him a tremendous amount of respect, saying, I see someone in this person's likeness appearing before me, blessing me before the wars that I go in. He respects the Jewish people and he agrees not to fight Jerusalem, allow the Jewish people to live in peace. Again, a tremendous surprise considering who he was. Of course, in return, the Jewish people were going to give him tremendous amounts of tax money. They also offer to name their sons Alexander. And it's at this point where Alexander or Alex, sometimes in the Yiddish today, it's Sender, becomes a Jewish name. An interesting note during this time, they also begin dating documents based upon year one. This becomes year one of a system that was going to last for about a thousand years where all documents are dated depending on the king of that time, Alexander the Great being year one, and that already is showing us how the Jewish people begin in a very small way being influenced with the Greek culture around them. Since we spent a lot of time today talking about Shimon HaTzadik, I do want to conclude with our spiritual takeaway from a famous teaching of his that is quoted at the very beginning of Ethics of Our Fathers, that our world rests on three things, on Torah, on Avoda, and on acts of kindness, Gmilus Chasadim. And I love the imagery of this teaching. It's, you know, it's telling us that we don't just take the world for granted. There isn't a world just because there's a world. The world is only here because there's a very specific purpose, a job that we're supposed to do, and we sustain the world by fulfilling the reason for which it is here, and that is these three things. And think of a tripod where there's these three legs, and on the right leg, it's the acts of kindness that we do to one another. On the left leg, it's avoda. Avoda means working on oneself, working on one's character traits. Avoda also includes prayer. And then the central leg, the one that gives definition to what is acts of kindness, what is avoda, that is the Torah that we learn, the central leg upon which the world stands. Shimon Atzadik taught this more than 2,000 years ago, and Jews are still quoting him, creating their lives to be in alignment with this central teaching. <laughs> Thank you.